Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes knows the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Well, welcome Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host Mark Reinbold and this is the House of Ephraim show today. And we do have with us today from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Sister Donna Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in the show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in in store for you, I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here. And you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God. And I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material, not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online that's via ustream.tv and we have one on friday night i teach one myself friday night you can become part of that there's also a wednesday midweek service and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time what an opportunity again that all is so again if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on please consider joining up with that 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Sister Donna Decker. Turn with me to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, we're going to talk about properly applying the blood today. Now, for those of you that have heard the preparation for the plague, in the vision, God said that the blood was going to have to be properly applied. And as we've toured the United States over and over and over and over again, people have come, people have emailed, people have called, and they said, well, We just plead the blood of Jesus. We're covered by the blood of Jesus. And so the prophet's been saying now for two and a half years that pleading the blood of Jesus, that's not what the blood of Jesus is about. And today I'm going to show you in Scripture. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that you are to plead the blood of Jesus. It's not there. We've made a doctrine out of a saying in America, and it's going to take some people down. And unfortunately, we're talking about the lives of them and their families. So Isaiah 53, start in verse 1. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form of comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now, we're talking about Christ here. It's a prophecy about him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we did not esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded, for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned away every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's prophesying about the crucifixion of Christ, the fact that he went to the cross for our sins, for our healing. For our peace. And I was raised, healing is not for today. So when I got saved, the cross was only for salvation. And then one day, a revelation came to me through hearing a minister preach that Jesus went to the cross for my healing. And I received healing. And then one day, God began to reveal to me that I could have peace. I could have peace, and I didn't have to worry all the time. And I began to grasp onto that revelation. And so Jesus went to the cross, and most of you understand he went to the cross for our sins, correct? Okay, let's go back into Genesis chapter 3 at the very beginning. Genesis chapter 3, 
the story of Adam and Eve. They were placed in this wonderful, prepared garden just for them. They didn't have any worries, any cares. God came every evening and walked and talked with them. And it was an utopia. And everything was grand. There was one rule. Oh, we don't like rules. One rule. Do not partake and eat of that tree. And just like all of us good children, you give us a rule, we're going to push it. Boy, it's a beautiful fruit. Wonder what it tastes like. And then the serpent came along and beguiled Eve, and we all know the story, right? So let's look in here in Genesis chapter 3. I'm sure you found it by now. Verse 21. And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skins, and he clothed them. Now, if you remember right, when Adam and Eve ate that tree, all of a sudden, we're naked. And so they took leaves or something, and they made themselves coverings. Well, God said, that is not going to work. You see, it takes blood to forgive sin. And so... He sacrificed, the first animal was killed, and he made, took the skins from that animal and made them coats. And that was to cover the sin that they had committed. Did that stop the punishment? No, it only covered the sin. Genesis chapter 4, we have Cain and Abel. We're starting verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. And said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Cain was a farmer. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstling of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. Well, that doesn't seem fair. But you see, it took the blood. It couldn't be just the fruit of the ground. It had to be the blood. And that's why God honored that. We'll read more, discuss more about Cain and Abel. Let's look over in Exodus 12. We have to properly apply the blood. Exodus chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 1. Now, we are all very familiar with this story. It was how they were preparing for the Passover, whenever God was going to take them out of Egypt, out of slavery. Verse 1, And the Lord spake to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak you unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month you shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make his count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, and you shall take it out from the sheep and from the goats. And you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel 
shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two doorposts and on the upper doorposts of the houses where they shall eat it. Now, they couldn't just go out and kill anything and apply the blood. They had to properly prepare. They had to go get a certain lamb. It had to be a lamb that was, was if their family was small, they had to connect with another family. There was rules to this, and they were intricate rules. They had to, to keep it in their home from, the, from, from that first to the 14th. Now, I don't particularly enjoy animals in my home. Now, I know there's a lot of people who do, but I don't. And so having that little lamb in the home would have been just quite a deal for me. <laughs> but it would have been all right. But then you got the case of the kids have had 14 days of this little lamb, and we're going to take it out and kill it. You know? So there's a lot of things to this that happened. But the idea was that this lamb was without blemish. It had rules. And it was, it was a, a, a new a first year lamb. And the lamb was without blemish and a male of the first year. So there was rules to it. Now they were going to take it and they were going to put it on the doorpost, which was the two side doorposts and across the top. Now let's go over to verse uh, 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt both man and beast, and against all the gods of, of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. He's saying, look, guys, I'm God. Set up and take notice. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague will not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day unto the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Now, go back up into verse 13. It will be a token upon the houses. And when you look up token, it means it will be a sign to mark your house. Now, here in America, we mark our homes. We put numbers, signs with the numbers, and that's our address. We mark them. God said, I need you to mark your home so we'll know to pass over that. And so he had him to mark it with the blood. And it had to be the correct blood. But it was a mark. It was a token. And all of you heard yesterday as the prophet ministered, he, he talked about tokens yesterday, didn't he? The Sabbath is a token. It's a mark. It's a mark that says, I belong to God. Because I'm doing something that's different. I'm keeping Shabbat. And if, as I read here, and I'm not going into that today, but this is talking about the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pesach. And it said in verse, verse 14, it was an ordinance that would be forever. How long is forever? Forever. Oh, that's not for today. That's bondage. But it's forever. Somehow we missed that, didn't we? Somehow we missed that. 
Okay, let's let's look in John chapter one. So we all know from the story, God, the angel of death came. God passed over the Egyptians, and and the mark that they had put on their homes with that blood, it worked. It worked, and it worked very well because they had followed God's instructions. And now we're going to talk about the blood of Jesus. And we all understand that Jesus is the Passover lamb, correct? We understand that. Okay, we're going to look at the scriptures that talk about that. John chapter 1, verse 29. And the next day, John, talking about John the Baptist, he sees Jesus coming unto him and says, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. John understood. He was a prophet. He understood. John understood that Jesus was that Passover Lamb, and He was going to be sacrificed, And it was going to be for the remission of the sins of the whole world, of anyone, whosoever, who would grab onto it and believe. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Verse 28. Yeshua is speaking here. And he says, but what thank you? A certain man had two... I'm in the wrong place. Chapter 20, verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Christ understood he had a mission. He had a job. He was sent down here. He was sent down here to be that sacrificial lamb. Now... I didn't get into the scriptures because I got a lot of scriptures today. But every year, they sacrificed that sacrificial lamb. Every year they did at Passover. And Jesus knew. And the prophet went into detail yesterday how that on when Jesus died, because, because the darkness came early, they didn't sacrifice that lamb. To see, it was only to be sacrificed in the evening. And it got dark at 3 o'clock. Well, it got dark too soon, and they didn't, have the, they didn't do the sacrifice. And the reason was because Jesus was that sacrifice. He was that sacrifice. And he became that lamb. Now, let's go back. I said we were going to talk some more about Cain and Abel. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 4. You remember that Cain, Cain killed his brother Abel. Chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse 10. And you see, God sees everything. I always told my children, God sees everything. I may not see it, but God does. God sees it all, and I want them to understand that. And God saw what happened with these two brothers. He, he saw it all, and he knew. And the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, well, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Was I in charge? Boy, that sounds like kids, doesn't it? What are you asking me for? 
He's not my responsibility. But God said, hey, I know something's going on here. And he said, what have you done? And the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Wait a minute. It's blood. But it cries from the ground? The blood cries from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth and received thy brother's blood from thy hand. That's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? Pretty heavy stuff. What does the blood do? Let's look in verse 9. Chapter 9, or excuse me, not verse 9. Genesis chapter 9, verse 4 through 6. But the flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. Oh, that's one of those laws. We, we don't have to pay attention to that, do we? And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it. At the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. Now back in verse 4, he says, the blood is the life. So now we have the blood crying out from the earth. We have the knowledge that the blood is the life. And he said he would require it if you kill one another because we're made in God's image. Genesis 37. Remember, we're trying to to understand how to properly apply the blood. Genesis 37, verse 22. Now, we have a situation here where Joseph, his brothers were were out tending the sheep, and his dad said, hey, something's going on, they haven't come back. So he sends Joseph, which is his favorite, and there's jealousy among them. But he sends him out to check on them, and they're like, aha, here is our chance. And the oldest, Reuben, he says, don't you guys do anything. Don't you shed his blood. Because why? He understood. He understood that life is in the blood. He understood that if we do something, remember what happened to Abel? Or, excuse me, Cain? He knew the blood would cry out and they would curse themselves. And he said, don't you do anything. Verse 30, or excuse me, chapter 37, verse 22. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand on him, that he may rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. Reuben was going to take him back to daddy. And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brothers, and they, they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that daddy had given him, And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. They sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked. Behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels, 
bearing spicery and balm and myrrh and going to carry it down to Egypt. Skip down to verse 26 here. And Joseph said unto his brothers, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Again, they understood about the blood. Verse 31. And they took Joseph's coat after they had given him to these people. They took his coat and they killed the kid of the goats and they dipped the coat in blood. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found and know now... Know now whether it be thy son's coat or not. And do you think Daddy knew? Yeah, Daddy knew that was his son's coat. Turn to chapter 42. Chapter 42, verse 22. Now remember, Reuben was the one who was going to rescue him. And Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, meaning Joseph, and ye would not hear. You wouldn't listen to me. Doesn't that sound like brothers? And therefore, behold, also his blood is required. His blood is required. You know, someone came to me one time at the tape table, and they said, You know, there were ten tribes... And Ephraim was Joseph's son. Why are we called Ephraim? Because his blood was required. Because his blood was required. We're called Ephraim because those brothers sinned against their sinned against Joseph. And God said, We're going to take care of that. We're going to take care of that. Let's go over to um, Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, verse 7. And they shall take the blood, strike it on the two side posts, and on the upper door of the house wherein they shall eat it. Verse 13. And the blood shall be unto you a token upon the house where you are, if I will see the blood and pass over you. Now, we've talked about that already today, that it's a mark, right? Look down in 22. You shall take a bunch of hyssop, and you shall dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two side posts of the blood. And this is that is in the basin... And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through and smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your house to smite you. You shall observe this thing as an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And again, he's talking about keeping Passover. And again, there was a certain way to do it. They took the hyssop and they dipped it in that blood and they applied it. It had to be properly applied. God is a God of details, isn't he? And we like to think he's a God of generality. 
And the reason why is because Jesus died for all the world, and it's for whosoever. But God's still a God of detail. He's still a God of detail. And he says you're going to have to apply it properly. Now, does anywhere in what we've read so far, did you hear the word, plead the blood of Jesus? Did you hear her say, well, you just plead the blood and I'll pass over you? No. God said, you do it this way. You do what I said to do and I'll see the mark and I'll pass over. And it was the blood of that sacrificial lamb that was the mark. That was the mark. Exodus 24, chapter 24. Verse, verse 8. Let's go back in 7. He took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. I want to break this down for you a little bit. You see, Moses had ministered through the anointing to these people. And they were sitting there in this wonderful service, feeling the anointing, and they're going, yes, we will do it. Yes, we will do all that the Lord said. We'll do it. And they were held accountable for what they did. You see, we've crisscrossed America telling people about the plague, and the prophet has said, I'm going to... I'm going to put the, put the oil on you as a mark for your protection. But you have to keep the covenant. You have to do it. And they've watched them. They line up. They line up just like sheep. They line up and they come up and, oh, thank you, God. And I think, where are they at? Are they keeping the covenant? Or do they get all caught up in the anointing and go, yes, we will do it. And then they went home and forgot. But God doesn't forget. God knows. And that little dot of oil on their heads, that made them accountable to keep the covenant. And they didn't do it. I'm not saying they didn't do it. Some of them, some of them have forgotten. Some of them have forgotten. Verse 8. Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people. Oh, that sounds gory. At least least the prophet used oil. And sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you concerning these words. The blood of the covenant. And he sprinkled it on them. Leviticus chapter 17. The life is in the blood. The life is in the blood. And we need to remember the life is in the blood and innocent in the blood will be avenged. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, 
No soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that sojourns among you eat blood. And whosoever man there is of the children of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you, which have hunted and catches any beast or fowl that may be eaten, he shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust. For it is the life of all flesh. The blood of it is the life thereof. Therefore, I say unto the children of Israel, Ye shall eat the blood no manner of flesh. For the life of the flesh is the blood thereof, and whosoever eateth it shall be cut off. Now, you know what? We understand in our scientific days now, if, if you go to the doctor and you've got something wrong with you, one of the things that they might do is take a blood sample and do some kind of testing, whatever kind the doctor seems to think you need, to try to find out what is wrong with you. Why would that work that way? Why do they not take a skin sample? Because the life is in the blood. And when you've got something going wrong in your body, the components within your blood changes. The potassium level changes. The electrolytes change. I don't, I'm not a nurse, okay? But it changes. And that's how they can, they can do those tests and figure it out. See, God knew that, didn't he? Because the life is in the blood. And then he said, because of that, don't be eating it. And we're going, oh, those kosher laws, they're bondage, they're bondage. But God had a purpose and a reason. A purpose and a reason. You see, if that animal had any kind of sickness in it, and you're taking the blood, you're going to take and partake of that, aren't you? Isn't God smarter than we are? Numbers chapter 35. Numbers chapter 35. All God wants us to do is say, yes, sir, you said it, I believe it, I'm going to do it. But here in America, we, we like to do it the other way. We like to say, well, why? Why? Well, can, can I get by with this? Well, just how far do I have to go? And why again? And if any of you had a child that asked why a jillion times, I'm sure you got tired of it just as God does. November, or excuse me, November. Numbers 35, verse 33. So you shall not pollute the land wherein you are. For blood, it defileth the land, and the land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed therein, but by the blood of him that shed it. Don't defile and pollute the land. You know, when we... When we went to Hawaii and and we were we were traveling through one of the villages and as we were traveling the spirit of God came on the prophet and he began to to speak and he said the blood cries out I hear the blood cry out and we stopped the car and he looked at the, the people who were native there, and he said, where are we at? What happened here? And they began to tell how that the battle, the massacre that had went on in that particular village right there, 
It was horrendous. And I don't remember the village, the history of it, but I remember him because he was under the anointing. I mean, he, he went from talking, just joshing around and talking, to being under the anointing and going, the blood cries out. And it just pierced me to hear. And I was like, God, what, is, what, is, what are we talking about here? But the blood, just like, just like when Cain killed his brother Abel and God said the blood cried out, those people, the blood had cried out and the land was defiled by the blood. Now you think about America. You think about America. Has there been innocent blood shed in this country? And we think that we can pray and intercede and stop the judgment of God. Who are we kidding? The blood is crying out. The blood is crying out. Because the life is in the blood, and the blood has defiled the land. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. The life is in the blood. Chapter 12, verse 23. Only be sure that thou eat not the blood, for the blood is the life, and thou may not eat the life within the flesh. And thou shalt not eat it, and thou shalt pour it upon the earth as water. Go over to chapter 21 of Deuteronomy. God must have known we was going to have a problem with this because he repeated this several times. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 21. Verse 8 and 9. Be merciful, O Lord, unto thy people Israel, whom thou hast redeemed, and lay not innocent blood unto thy people of Israel's charge, and the blood shall be forgiven of them. So shalt thou put away the guilt of innocent blood from among you, when thou shalt do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. God is saying, I'm going to avenge the blood. But you know, when you listen to the everlasting covenant, the prophet says that God will forgive the sins of Ephraim. One of the sins is, is the blood that cried out. That's one of the sins we have, and, it's, and it will be forgiven. Let's look over in chapter 32. Chapter 32, verse 43. Rejoice, O nation, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants, and he will render vengeance to his adversaries, and he will be merciful to his land and to his people. Talking about the martyrs. Down through the years, people have been martyred for doing the service of God, and God will avenge that blood. For Second Samuel. Second Samuel chapter chapter one. 
Now, this is an interesting story. And I can remember as a young girl not understanding this at all. You see, Saul had chased David. He had put an evil spirit in him. And he wanted to kill David. David had opportunity to kill Saul, and he didn't. And the reason he didn't was because he understood the Scripture that says, Touch not my anointed. And so he didn't touch Saul. Now Saul's been killed in battle, and this servant comes running up to David to give him the information that Saul's been killed. And he's overzealous. And he begins to tell David, but when he tells him, he lies, and he says, I did it. Wrong thing to do. Wrong thing to do. Verse 16. And David said to him, Thy blood be upon thy head, for thy mouth has testified against thee, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. David understood not only about the anointed, but he also understood about the blood. And he said, that's not on me. He said, you testified out of your mouth. Turn over to chapter 21, verse 1. You see, the thing with God is God doesn't forget. We forget. But God doesn't. Chapter 21, verse 1 of Second Samuel. Then there was a famine in the days of David three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is for Saul and for his bloody house, because he slew the Gibeonites. Now the Gibeonites, if you'll remember the story, Joshua had come in, and the walls of Jericho had fell down, and God had specifically told them, don't make covenant with any of those people. But the Gibeonites came up with a plan. And they dressed up, and they got moldy bread and old wine, and they came up and they said, oh, we're from a faraway country, and they made a covenant with them. But then Saul, he killed some of them. But the covenant was still there. It still held. And God required it of them. And there was three years of famine. Three years of famine. Because of the covenant that was made with them. Clear back when the walls of Jericho fell down. Does God forget? He doesn't forget. He doesn't forget. No, He doesn't forget. And we say, well, we'll pray and intercede and stop the judgment of God. You see, David couldn't pray and intercede and stop the famine. But he asked God, he said, why? And God told him why. He told him why. Let's look at 1 Chronicles 22. 1 Chronicles. Chapter 22, verse 8. But 
the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou has, and his, this is David, Thou hast shed blood abundantly, and hast made great wars, and thou shalt not build a house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. There's something about the blood, isn't there? The life is in the blood. We're made in God's image, and the life is in the blood. And God said, David, I know. See, David said, you know, God, I have this wonderful castle that I live in, and you're out there in a tent. There's something wrong with this picture. And so he wanted to build this house. You read the rest of the story, you find that David began to prepare, and he began to gather up everything so that Solomon could build that temple. Isaiah 26. Isaiah chapter 26. Does God forget when we've been wronged? He never does. He never forgets. Isaiah 26, 21. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. We're entering into that time when the earth isn't going to cover up that blood anymore. We're entering into that time. Isaiah 59.3. Isaiah 59.3. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity and your lips have spoken lies and your tongue has murdered perverseness. Is that not us? Is that not us? But I'm saved. And I'm washed by the blood of Jesus. And my sins are forgiven. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. But we we have defiled God. We didn't keep His covenant. And we didn't understand, did we? But our eyes are being opened. Jeremiah 26. Isaiah chapter 26. We begin to understand more why when, when Cain and Abel, why there was such a strong, God was, had such a strong punishment on Cain. And that is why. 26 verse 15. But know you for certain that if you put me to death, you shall surely bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and upon the inhabitants thereof. For of a truth, the Lord has sent me unto you to speak all these words in your ears. Now, let me give you a little history here. This is Jeremiah. He's a prophet, and he's brought some words to the people, and they weren't kind words. They weren't pastoral words. They weren't the, oh, you'll be okay and I'll pet your fur and make you feel good words. And he knew that it was going to rile them up, make them mad, mad enough they'd want to kill him. How dare he say those things to us? We're good Jewish abiding people. And he says, I know you want to kill me, but don't do it. Because you'll be shedding innocent blood and you're going to defile yourselves. 
and the city and the inhabitants of the land. Why? Because he was a prophet of God. Touch not the anointed. Do my prophets no harm. And he understood that. And he was warning. He says, think about this for you mob. Gather a mob up to lynch me here. Think about it. Think about it. But you think about the history of the villages that you live in and the people that were innocently killed. And the cities are accountable for that. And the inhabitants therein. Are we in trouble, America? We're in trouble. We're in trouble. Did we understand the blood? No, we didn't understand it. I plead the blood of Jesus. And God's sitting up there going, that's not what that means. The life is in the blood. The life is in the blood. doesn't mean that at all. Let's look in Joel chapter 3. Isn't it amazing how these Old Testament guys were so smart? And we think we're so smart. Now, Joel is hiding over here. He's hiding between Amos and Hosea. But he's in here. Chapter 3, verse 19. Oh, I like this one. Egypt shall be desolate, and Edom shall be desolate desolate wilderness for the violence against the children of Judah because they have shed innocent blood in their land. Do you think God forgot about the slaves that were killed in Egypt? The Israelite slaves? He didn't forget. He didn't forget. He hasn't forgotten that at all. And Joe's here saying, don't you mess with God's kids. You see, when we keep the covenant of God, God's going to take care of us. And it may not look like He took care of us. Some of us may end up martyred. And it may look like, gee, wonder what they did wrong. But God's not going to forget. He will avenge that blood. Because being martyred is just going to be part of it. Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 8. Habakkuk 2, 8. Because thou hast spoiled many nations, all the remnant of the people shall spoil thee. Hello, remnant. Because of men's blood and for the violence of the land of the city and for all that dwell therein. Down to verse 12. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood and establishes a city by iniquity. Remember in Revelations where it talks about the woes? Woe to him that builds a town with blood. How many of our towns were built with blood? Makes you want to shake in your boots. Let's get into the New Testament. Let's look in Matthew chapter 26. Now, Matthew's a whole lot easier to find than Habakkuk and Joel. Matthew 26, verse 28. 
For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, this is Christ at the Pesach table, better known to us as the Last Supper. And he is picking up the cup, and he's saying, this is my blood of the New Testament. This is my blood of the Testament which is shed for many, what for? The remission of sins. Not so we pleaded for protection, is it? It's for remission of sins. Matthew 27, verse 4. Now we all know that Judas betrayed him, right? And Judas, he comes back and he says, I have sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See that to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. You see, Judas understood the blood, didn't he? He understood. He had betrayed the innocent blood of our Messiah, of the Son of God. And he understood that now. On down to verse 24. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail nothing, but that rather the tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. And then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. That wasn't smart, was it? That wasn't smart at all. You talk about saying a curse to you and your children. Do you think do you think Judas had to live that? Yes, they have. Yes, they have. Let's look in Luke chapter eleven. Luke chapter eleven. The life is in the blood, and the blood, we were made in God's image. Now, this is Christ talking. Let's start in verse 49. Therefore also saith the wisdom of God, Luke 11:49. I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation, from the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple. Verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe unto you. Woe unto you. Judah, Judah had to pay for that, didn't he? Because they shed the blood of the Messiah. And they said, let that blood be on us, on our children. You understand the blood better? You understand how God looks at this? The life is in the blood. The life is in the blood. 
Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Going backwards a minute. Verse 24. This is just another rendition of that Pesach Supper, the Last Supper. In verse 24 of Mark, Jesus says unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Remember back there in the Old Testament said it was for the whole world? He's saying it's for many. See, it wasn't just for the Israelites. It was for all of them, all the world, whosoever. That is who he shed his blood for. Okay, Luke 22. Luke 22. Chapter 22, verse 20. And again, Jesus is saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Shed for you. I remember writing that down. Back in my younger years, you ever sinned and the devil tried to tell you, well, that was the unpardonable sin, you can't be forgiven? Well, we've all been there. That's an old one. And it works. He knows it works. So he uses it on all of us. And I took this scripture and I went, his blood was shed for me. It works for me. And I'm forgiven. It was, it was for the whole world, but it was for me too. Little old me. And it was for you. He did it for you. And sometimes we have to overcome darkness and just remind remind ourselves that it was it's for us. Hey, thank you again so much. That's Donna Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois, Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.jewishprofit.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So, again, you can also get more. Uh, all the tape series is out there on the website for you to get a hold of. I greatly encourage it. To get all that, you can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprofit.com, and we'll be praying for your prayer request. Again, that's cradle at jewishprofit.com. Shalom. Until next week, remember, with God, all things are possible. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.